The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are currently in our final sermon series for quite some time. If you haven't been here the last couple weeks and heard, starting in the new year, we will not have sermon series. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be reading through the Bible as an entire church together. And there are a couple ways you can do that with us, all outlined in this beautiful letter written by Jordan. So if, uh, if you're so nervous that you just don't hear anything I say, Go back and get yourself a letter. Um, There's an app called Read Scripture you can get to read along with it. There's also hard copies of the plan that you can read along with. Really, really encourage you to do this. The Read Scripture app has little helpful videos that help you find your place in the story of God as you read through the Bible with us. We're going to be matching this reading with what we do at community groups and on Sunday mornings together. So community groups, which will be called house churches starting the first of the year, which we'll talk to you guys more about, um, which we're committed to one another and speaking the word of God to one another. Uh, The reading of scripture that we're doing will be what we bring to one another to speak the words of Christ to one another in those Wednesday and Thursday meetings. And so it won't just be waiting on the the skill level of the leader of asking questions to incite involvement, but it will be each one of us who goes to one of these house churches actually bringing the word of God to one another, saying, this is what I read, this is what I discovered, this confused me, God seems a little more scary than I thought he was. You know, whatever that is, you're gonna be bringing that to one another and speaking that to one another. Then on Sunday mornings, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be preaching from the, those verses we've read from the week, we're going to be choosing uh, one of those passages of scripture to preach from. And so we'll all be reading the same scripture together. So I encourage you to go and start discovering what that will look like. We're going to launch this January 1. Um, the last sermon of 2017, I'm just going to be preaching on how to read the Bible how to be people who soak in the word of God. So, good things to look forward to. Uh, In our last sermon series, we are calling this a Christmas critique. What I mean by this is that the coming of Jesus into the world says something, says something final about everything. We're gonna be looking at four specific topics, that being power, possessions, politics, and popularity. These four big topics, right? <clears throat> we hear about these things anytime we open our computers or our smartphones or read Facebook or the news. People have something to say about these things, especially what we're talking about today in politics. But what is true The word of God made flesh in Jesus has the final word in what is true. And so we're going to look today in what he says about politics. Now, the election season reminds us a lot of Christmas season, doesn't it? 
Every year it seems to start a little earlier. Preparation. Right? You get the ads on television trying to encourage you what to support. <laughs> and then the night comes, right? We've all, we've all voted. And then you wait up. <laughs> you just can't wait. Especially 2000. Remember 2000? George W. Bush. Al Gore. Counting over and over and over again. Ballots in Florida. Right? And just waiting. <laughs> when will our president come down the chimney? Right? That, <laughs> okay, you know, so <laughs> examples only go so far. But, but in, a, in a lot of ways, <laughs> it's this, this hope, this hope for, for what? Well, better days ahead, right? And, and I think sometimes the aftermath is the same. Like in Christmas, you just can't wait to what you're going to unwrap. I think that anticipation can happen sometimes during the election. What, what will we get? And then... The aftermath is kind of figuring out what you, you maybe, you know, refining your wish list a little bit for, for next time, next go. That's oftentimes what politics feels like. What are politics? Well, politics is simply the science of governing. And it really is a science. It's actually kind of a philosophy. What, what does it really mean to live that out well? Well, what do we see in Jesus that informs us about this. In Isaiah, Isaiah 9, which we read last time I was preaching two weeks ago, it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the big idea is that politics is for us to reflect God, not replace God. For us to reflect God, not replace God. Well, I'll explain this more as we get into our points. But first, just to, just to look a little deeper at the Christmas story itself. Um, and I don't, I don't have this up, and that was purposeful. I want you just to hear it again uh, in Luke chapter 2. So <clears throat> I want you to be present, maybe close your eyes and just hear it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, 
and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is our Christmas story. What does this say about politics? Well, the first thing it says about politics is this, that politics are not about position. Politics are not about position. What do I mean by this? Well, we get so wrapped up in positions, which that is part of politics, right? Who you elect or who takes control. We have a democratic system here, which is great. But in in other places, right, someone who's literally taking control, that's what it was like back in Jesus' day, someone who uh, was able to overpower any opposition. Um, And that's, that's part of governance is there's going to be someone in a position of power. But politics is not all about position. We put all of our hope here, and you can hear this in the language during election season. And as I was reading, the things that we say to celebrate can kind of reveal where we put our hope. Following... um, Following the, the election of uh, President Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey said this. She says, there has never been another night like this on planet Earth. Right? And, and, right, and some of you who like, really vote Republican, you're like, oh yeah, that's terrible. Right? And the same thing said when a Republican gets voted in. It's like, this is going to be our hope. Well, when she said there has never been another night like this on planet Earth, obviously... During the season, we're like, what about when Jesus was born? <laughs> right? You know, you know but, but we, get, we get so, so wrapped up in this. And what, what we see when we enter into the Christmas story in Luke is that who has the perception of a position of power here? Not just perception, but, but according to what we could do, who we can raise up or who we can say, this person obviously in control. Well, it's Caesar Augustus, right? Caesar Augustus issued a decree over the whole Roman world and forced everyone to go back to their hometown. Why? Taxes. Right? He needed to money roll his empire, right? He needed to fund his wars. And so he had everyone go to their their hometown, and so they could pay taxes. And we also have Crinius, who is the, the governor of Syria. These are the people in positions of power. Who appears to be lacking any sort of political sway in this story? Mary and Joseph, who are going back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. Who's especially vulnerable? This little baby, right? Who, who's a, a firstborn? Born, uh, not even having a, a place to stay. Politics are not, governance is not merely about position. And we really see that here. Why? Well, because this baby, it says that, that literally the government will be on his shoulders. We'll talk more about what that government is. But, but think about this. What does it mean for this baby to be born? What does it mean for God to be born? And and the the powerful thing, this is mind-blowing, is that for God to be born means God taking on this broken, 
image of humanity. God who made humanity in his image now is taking on this broken image himself. Right? What, what do we say in politics? Politics is for reflecting the image of God. But what, what God does first is he takes on this broken image. And you see this in Matthew 22, this, this crazy story where it says that, that some Pharisees came up and they were trying to trick Jesus. And he saw that, you know, he, he always knew they were like trying to, trying to find some way to, to fool him. And they said, well, Jesus, they're trying to get him in trouble. Who should we pay taxes to? <laughs> Jesus. He says, well, whose image is on your coin? And they, they hold up the coin and it has Caesar's image. He says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. The, the, the crazy reversal there is, Give to God's what is God's is whose image is stamped on us. God's image. And so oftentimes we get in these little bickering wars like who has the most power or possessions or who has the political position when all along it's like, well, who made all this? Right? Whose image is stamped on us? So what, what God does is, and we, we remember reading last week in Philippians 2, that although being in very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Right? He took on that nature and that image what? so we could be restored to reflecting his image. So Jesus, being in the position of a vulnerable baby, shows us really how to govern. And this is how he governs. If we go back to these passages here, what will his governance look like? Well, the government will be on his shoulders and, and how we should reflect him is this. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, principles of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. And I love this as it comes down here. It says establishing with justice and righteousness that's the nature of his government that's the nature of this vulnerable god who has become baby this is incredible how do you reflect god though this is this is kind of the the application for us how do we reflect god when when our party this is kind of a Hard way to say it, but when our party is not in a position of power. And our, our party could be anything, right? How do we reflect God when our, maybe we could say, when our champion isn't in a position of power? Well, thankfully, the, the Bible is really helpful in this because the whole story of Scripture is really a story of underdogs, Right? Um, it's the story of people who come to value God as their sovereign over all. And, and again, we are, we are called to do that at Christmas time. What does it look like for us to put our trust in 
Jesus. And this kind of goes into the next point, which is this, that politics is not about majority opinion, which also speaks to our, our current political structure, which everything seems to be about, well, who got the most votes, right? Who's the most popular in terms of popularity? Just, just for curiosity, I actually looked into how popular Lincoln actually was. You know, we really like Lincoln. He, he came in with 39% of the votes. He actually had to get smuggled into the White House because so many people didn't like him. Like, this is crazy. We look back and we're like, he's so amazing. But <laughs> it really isn't about majority opinion. Well, how do we see that here? Well, Jesus obviously didn't have much attention when it came to his birth. We have to reconcile as Christians with the fact that if we were alive the night Jesus was born, we would have been completely aloof. We have to come to the point of reconciling with the fact that if we were alive when Jesus was being crucified, we would have been yelling, crucify also. So, so what do we do when, when majority opinion, right? And when, when we would have been part of the majority that would be completely unaware of what God is up to. Right? And so when it comes down to, to what actual sovereignty, actual power, actual authority is, it can't just resort to majority opinion. What we see in scripture, I mean, think of the Tower of Babel, but also think of 1 Samuel 8, 7, which says this, where, where Israel so badly wants a king to govern them. So badly wants. And, and Samuel is pleading with them, do not do this. And, and this is what God says to Samuel. He says, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me to be their king. Think of when uh, you have Jesus standing before Pilate and Pilate says to the high priest, should I kill your king? And Pilate says, we have no king but Caesar. So crucify him. Isn't this incredible? Like, so this majority opinion is not how it could be. Um, a, a more modern example that I think speaks so profoundly to this is the story of Chuck Colson. So uh, some of you might be familiar with Chuck Colson um, as someone who championed the Christian faith. Well, before he came to know and love Jesus, uh, he was known as the hatchet man for Richard Nixon, who kind of... Um, uh, he was the one who thought up and executed Watergate. Okay, the Watergate scandal happened back in 1972. And in the Watergate scandal, it was all about trying to, um, to uh, steal documents and so Richard Nixon could get reelected, right? And so, came to know and love Jesus in prison, started prison fellowship later. And, and this is what he says. He said, uh, never confuse the majority with the will of God. And he goes on to say this, may the church never be regarded as a special interest group. We are here because we love our neighbors. Never confuse the majority with the will of God. 
Thankfully, we didn't have to elect for Jesus to come and save us because we probably wouldn't have, right? Thankfully, God didn't like cast about and be like, hey, who wants Jesus to come as like a baby? <laughs> yeah. who, would have, who would have voted for that? Nobody. But, but that is the way he came. So uh, there are so many rabbit trails that I'm not going to go down right now. But what I want you to, to hear is um, Mary's song that helps us see what God is doing and what God does that we wouldn't ask for. We wouldn't know how to ask for, but he is just orchestrating. Mary's song And Luke 1 says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So, it's not about majority opinion. What we remember from Christmas is this, that that we are meant to live going, look what God has done. Right? Not, not trusting in positions, and although positions and government and all those things are meant to be a reflection of God's good character, when they are not, we haven't put our hope, we haven't put our final hope in them. Because we know we have a God who upholds righteousness and upholds justice. And that is where our final hope lies. The last point is this, that politics are holy. What in the world do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that governance, the science of politics, the science of governance, is in the nature of God himself. And that's what we see here, right? And the government will be on his shoulders of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That means for eternity, sorry, this might disappoint you, for eternity there will be politics. But praise be to God, the, the governance will be God's. Right? We, might, we might find empires in cycles, we might find our elections in cycles, someone might stay eight years or however, but, but for all eternity there will be politics, but that politics will be the politics of God. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Guys, what does it look like to put our hope there? To be involved in politics. But your involvement to be as a means of reflecting God and his righteousness and upholding justice, not replacing God with it, which we are so often prone to do. Even I do. I'm not, I'm not terribly political, but there are times where we're like, well, maybe he will solve our problems, right? Like, 
or she, right? Whoever is in the election, whatever we look at and go, well, maybe this next person will. Our, our ultimate hope is in a king and a kingdom that will not, and yes, a king, absolute power. Right? If you're like, what kind, of, what kind of government does God believe in? King, he's king, <laughs> it's his kingdom. And you know what? We're meant to pray for that. Our Father is in heaven. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. Your kingdom come. That's what we're meant. We're not meant to pray for. God, may your democracy come. That'd be, you know, God, may, may you come, but we still kind of have a say in the way you can. No, praise God that you don't have a say, right? Because you wouldn't have asked for Jesus, and then you wouldn't get presents at Christmas. <laughs> I'm just, that was uh, that was not in my notes, and I'm not going to say that next. So, I think the story, though, that that really helps us understand this more than anything, is the story in the book of Daniel, the story of a king who is one of the most mighty kings. Um, who has ever lived by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar even conquered the people of Israel. And in doing so, he took um, a lot of their youth back to Babylon. um, And and one of those was Daniel. Um, And and Daniel was an incredible man who loved God. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was a king who did not have any respect for God. And it was a very, very proud man. And so uh, he was so proud that he actually compared himself to God. And God, who had actually warned him of this, he reduced Nebuchadnezzar to nothing. Like that. Reduced him to nothing. So much so that actually this, the way the story goes is that he, he even developed sort of animalistic qualities. And he was, he was kind of like rejected by his people. How quick in politics does that happen? You've got a position of power and the next moment, nobody even will invite you to their Christmas party. Right? Like that, that, it happens so quick that those positions of power. And this is the result is Nebuchadnezzar says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. He no longer thought of himself as being all that. And he says, and I praised the Most High, honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people's of earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, "What have you done?" That that is the kingdom of the child born in Bethlehem. No one can hold back the hand of this child. Isn't that incredible? And so, so let Christmas critique your politics. Are you putting your hope in positions? Are you trying to win the majority to your cause and so you can have more influence? Nothing can compare to the kingdom that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish. Put your hope there. That's the Christmas critique. Pray with me.
Oh God, we we get so distracted, um, so so distracted. We get so hopeful, um, only to be let down by our own hopes that we have fashioned in our own image, replacing you rather than reflecting you. God, thank you for becoming like us so we can once again become like you, restored to relationship with you. I pray that that this will be a truth that that doesn't leave us, that this week as we're thinking, um, maybe as we are wanting to um, speak badly about the government, or, or speak really, whatever we do, I, I pray that I'll, we'll just realize that, that you are our hope and you are our salvation, and, and so that we can, rather than trying to be a special interest group, we can, try to, we can pray for those that you have let be in positions of power. Uh, that we can pray that your righteousness and your justice will be upheld now. That people can see you and worship you. God, that the confusion of hearts and minds, that the blindness of eyes will be taken away. That you can be worshipped because that worship will be what eternity is full of for those that love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.